You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 51. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Hi, Alexandra. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So before we jump into all things cooking and meal planning and cooking tips, could you just tell everyone about yourself, your background, and a little bit about who you are? Sure. My name is Alexandra Hieronymus. I am a mother of three, three daughters, um, five and under. And I went to culinary school for college, um, the Culinary Institute of America in upstate New York. And I just, I love cooking. I love baking mostly um, and just serving my family, uh, loved ones, things like that. So I've been really loving sharing lately on Instagram and it's been really fun to just see people also like trying my recipes and things that I've been doing for years. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm really excited to be here. I have been wanting to have someone on for a while now, as I already mentioned to talk about, especially meal planning, because as a mom, I, that's something that I really didn't get training in growing up or (laughs) I guess like not, not even really knowing how to manage meals for a family not necessarily, I'm not trying to, you know, say that that's solely the woman's job, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. my husband does his fair, ch- more than plenty than his fair share of chores. And so I'm the one that's often trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to have for dinner every single night? So how do you strategize for meal planning and also just managing, I guess, a, a big th- problem that I have is just actually using up all the food in your fridge and not having it spoiled because, you know, one recipe might call for something and then you have this huge bag of it, but you only use like a little bit of it. And then you, I'm like, well, in an in ideal world, I would have the same ingredients for multiple recipes. So I'd love to hear your approach on it. Sure. Yeah. This was something that I kind of struggled with when I first had my daughter. Um, Cause I was basically saying I was in survival mode. So I was just like, okay, what do I know how to make? What is, you know, easy to make? It's not going to be super um, expensive. And it was, I basically was serving my husband chili, like probably two to three times a week. And he was like, okay, can we have anything else? <laughs> um, so I actually heard this idea from Katrina Harrington. Um, so what she did, she explained how she like basically instead of meal planning with like her cookbooks and a single recipe, she made more like a theme for the week. So Mondays, for example, like I mean I've altered it over the years, but like for in our house, um, Sunday nights pasta night. So we'll have macaroni and cheese or you know spaghetti and meatballs or carbonara or something and we know that there's gonna be pasta and honestly that's kind of a tradition that I grew up with in my family I'm Italian so it's like we usually had pasta on Sundays anyway um so kind of carried through and then on Mondays that's like my this is like back to the school week you know my husband's a teacher something that's easy to make easy to clean up and so we usually do breakfast for dinner Sometimes that means just like fried eggs and toast. Sometimes that means something fancier, like a quiche or um, casserole. Sometimes it means pancakes. Like it's, it really doesn't matter. That's what I love about this system that I created was so that you're not really pinpointing to one recipe. You're doing a theme. So it's like you don't 
you kind of work with it a little bit. There's a little more flexibility because I know some people that love finding, you know, that one recipe in their cookbook that they want to try and they go and they buy all the ingredients. And like you said, you end up using like a teaspoon of this bottle of soy sauce or something and you end up having it in your fridge forever. So I think that there's definitely a time and place to do that. But when you're working with kids and, you know, time crunches and fussy babies, like you need something that's going to work, that's going to be, you know, cost effective, and that's going to be just seamless, like it's just going to flow with your day. So to continue with my, my little meal plan calendar, um, Tuesdays are Taco Tuesday. So we do chili, we'll do enchiladas, something in that theme. Um, Wednesdays are usually like a wild card. Sometimes it's a soup. Sometimes it's like hamburgers, um, or like, you know, chicken nuggets. Like it's always something kind of not the norm. Um, Thursdays every week is leftover night because usually by this time I've cooked four nights in a row. And so there's usually stragglers. Um, and sometimes like we will each eat something different if there's not enough for us all to eat one big meal again. Um, and then Fridays we do pizza again. That's a tradition that my parents instilled in us. Um, and then we'll do Saturday again, kind of like a wild card. Sometimes if there's a lot of leftovers, say like if I made soup and chili one week, then like there's a lot. So that might be leftover night. That might be let's go out to eat night. Um, that might be like a stew or something that takes a little more time, like a roast chicken or a roast beef. Um, Cause when your husband's are home, like on the weekends, I feel like you're able to be a bit more creative instead of that kind of like, okay, it's dinner time. Everyone's hungry. We have to get it on the table. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. That was like a long answer, but um, yeah, I feel like it's a really big thing, especially for busy moms, um, even busy professionals having a meal plan. I feel like it frees up your brain to just do what you need to do throughout the day and throughout the week and also helps with your grocery shopping. So you're not spending extra money, extra time, you know, trying to find certain things. That That's so true. I mean, even my husband always does the dishes. So again, like I really can't complain about always being the one or usually being the one trying to figure out what to do for dinner. But just as you were saying, it's more the mental load, I guess, of thinking of what you should eat for dinner, because a lot of time, energy, and effort just goes to even thinking about it. So I really love that you have this whole system of just having something within a certain theme or type of food for every single day of the week. I never even thought about doing something like that. So I'm definitely going to have to give that a shot because that just just having the, uh, you know, that thought process eliminated would be so great to have. Yeah. It's just like a guideline too. And then also I've noticed that it's really helpful for our, my kids because they have started to realize like, oh, what day is it? Oh, we're having pizza. Oh, we're having, you know, hamburgers. Like they start to, to get used to the rhythm and um, expect it. Almost like when you used to go to a diner and you're like, oh, it's Thursday night. It's meatloaf knife. Like like kind of like that where it's, it's like a comfort because you know the routine. Um, so yeah, it's helped a lot. It's helped a lot with my, without like, making the same things over and over too. Um, Cause I definitely got in that rut of making like five things that I knew how to do well. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's ex- kind of expanding on that. What tips do you have for coming up with 
easy recipes to use and you know how do you store them in terms of you know do you have a cookbook or are they in your phone how how do you have your go-to list of easy recipes and then also how do you develop that in the first place well there's a kind of a mishmash like i have um probably a collection of like 10 cookbooks that I find are like the ones I go to all the time. I used to have a lot, lot more, but after moving a few times, I just realized like I liked them because they were beautiful and they had wonderful pictures. And like, I liked the idea of maybe one day I'd make that recipe. Um, But I found it really helpful just to say, wow, okay. You know, Jamie Oliver, he always has really good go-to recipes. He actually has a cookbook um, called Meals and Minutes where he literally, you know, he'll create a whole like salad, you know, entree, side dish and dessert within one recipe. And so it's like doing the math for you essentially. And it's that I found that really helpful. Um, cookbooks like Ina Gardens cookbooks, um, a few Martha Stewart's like things like that, that, you know, have classic meals, um, things that are pretty much, you know, things that you like to eat. I don't know. I like we like to eat Italian. We like to eat Asian food. We like to eat, you know, like Mexican style food. Um, nothing too spicy, nothing too heavy, like cream sauces and things like that. Um, so I try to think of that when I'm planning to like, I love fish. My husband hates it. So like, I know like I'm not going to force him to eat it. Like that's, that doesn't make sense to me. So, um, trying to like like my husband and I too. (laughs) I mean, I wish that he liked it, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so I'm not going to like sit there and buy a whole salmon and say, well, this is what we're having for dinner because right. he's going to look at me like, why would, why would you do that? <laughs> right. Um, so kind of thinking of like, okay, what do we like? What do we like to eat? Um, and also like dietary restrictions are a big thing. We don't have any allergies in our family, but I, my family, my extended family does. So thinking about that, like, can I, you know, swap this, you know, pasta for a gluten-free pasta, or can I, you know, add potatoes instead, you know, things like that. Um, but really, I don't know, I guess I like to stick to classic things that I ate as a kid and things that I liked, um, you know, as an adult. And I was like, Oh, I can, I can make that. Um, cooking really isn't my strongest suit. I am, I was trained to be a pastry chef. So when I first started cooking for my husband, it was mostly just remembering things that my mom and my grandma had taught me. Um, and a lot of it was just kind of like watching them do it. Like there's a few things that I make that don't, I don't have a recipe. Um, it's just from remembering, you know, making sauce or making chili. Like I just kind of throw stuff together. Um, but to answer your question before, sometimes I do write things down on my, in my phone or I usually have like a five-star notebook that I carry around with me for like a year. (laughs) Um, And I'll put some like notes in there too. Um, Especially if I find something that I've made from a cookbook and it worked and like like the kids liked it and we were all happy. Um, Like I'll make a little note and say like, okay, make that or make it, make a double recipe next time and freeze some or something like that. Um, Cause having leftovers, I feel like is a big one. We like to, you know, minimize as much cooking eating out, um, as we can. So having leftovers is helpful, especially because my husband will take them for lunch sometimes too. Um, and then we use like those little snapware glass containers to keep it all organized, um, which is nice. 
How do you guys plan for leftovers or like actually make enough food for leftovers? Because I feel like that's a big struggle, at least in our family is that, you know, we can't, we tend to eat as much as I make. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if we make a smaller amount, then we're kind of satisfied with that. But then if we make a lot and I'm thinking, oh, great, we're going to have leftovers. Then suddenly we're like a lot hungrier that night and then just eat more. (laughs) So how do you manage that? Um, sometimes it, it varies. Like there have been times where I'll make a recipe and I'm like, oh, we'll definitely have enough for, you know, for leftovers. And then I'm, it's gone. And I'm like, oh, okay. I gotta, I gotta plan better. <laughs> um, and maybe, maybe it just it does depend. Yeah. A little bit on how hungry everyone is, you know, it, is it that delicious? Like, I feel like that's a big one. <laughs> like that's sometimes true. When you're like eating something and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't stop. Like I just have to, it's so good. Um, <laughs> but I tend to kind of you so we're a family let's see ella is a baby so she doesn't necessarily count for a full portion um but if my other two girls eat a good size amount of food now which has been really interesting because i'm used to them eating like the teeny tiny portions um so like if i'm making chili i'll use close to two pounds of ground beef and then to stretch that i'll add like two cans of beans um i'll add some diced tomatoes things like that. And I will kind of stretch it so that it will last for more than one meal. Um, same thing with like, I'll use, a lot of times I'll use like a rotisserie chicken um, and kind of take it all off the bone and then use like half of it for say like a salad um, or, you know, the other half I'll put in enchiladas and something like that or chicken pot pie and I've noticed that that will go a lot longer. Um, it's all about taking your proteins and finding a way to stretch it. I think that's like my mom always told us, you know, as kids, it was like, you know, you, you can eat your protein and have, have meat every night if you want to. But, you know, when you're working with a family, like you kind of have to figure out a way to do it economically because we can't all be eating like filet mignon steaks every night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which I mean, I was that kid that would go to a restaurant and be like, okay, I'll have the filet. Actually, can I have the shrimp too? And like my parents would look at me and like, well, you can't order that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it took me a while to figure that out. That that wasn't like a thing people did. Um, But yeah, just like finding a way, like adding some potatoes, um, you know, buying so like I'll buy a package of sausage and take it out of the casing and I find that taking it out of the casing is a lot you can get a lot more of it instead of sitting there and slicing it afterwards it's after it's cooked um it's like little things like that that sometimes you wouldn't realize but it makes it look like a lot more um and like um sorry I'm like thinking of what we make during the week and like one sometimes I'll make quesadillas with a rotisserie chicken and it's amazing what like you put in a quesadilla is probably, I don't know, like your hand, like your palm size amount of food. But in a quesadilla, it feels like the most filling thing ever. So I don't know. It's a lot of bit about of, like perspective and um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it is kind of interesting how that happens. It's funny too, when you go out to eat, I've noticed that they don't really unusually include that much in whatever that you've ordered. So if it's like chicken and whatever, there's like a few pieces of chicken in it. (laughs) And then I'm just thinking to myself that, Oh, I could, it just gives you ideas to stretch things further. Just as you were saying, because like a quesadilla that like you were talking about, it's, it, 
when you make it at home, you think, oh, I have to put in all this chicken or whatever. But then when you go Mm. out to eat and if you get a chicken quesadilla, there's like a few little pieces of chicken in it. And then you realize, oh, they just basically like sprinkled chicken on. Exactly. Which I feel like is also a healthy way to eat too. Like we don't need to eat, you know, like a pound of meat every night, you know, our bodies can sustain on other things. And yeah, like you, (laughs) we don't need to eat a whole chicken breast, especially now they're so big. Like that's a lot of, a lot of chicken. Um, So yeah, there's definitely ways to, to stretch recipes for leftovers. How about dessert? I saw on your Instagram that you had a really popular cake mix donut (laughs) IGTV (laughs) and it looked so delicious. I haven't tried it yet, but do you factor desserts into your, like your meal plans during the week or how often do you eat desserts? And then what are your go-to desserts? Um, so that video was so fun to make. I loved doing it. They were, they came out so delicious, like almost like if you were at an orchard, um, and just using a cake mix, like it just, it blew my mind. Um, but no, to answer your question, I do not add desserts to our meal plan. Um, desserts to me are treats, they're treats in our house. Um, so, but I do love baking. So sometimes I'll make muffins. Um, sometimes it'll be chocolate chip cookies. Occasionally I don't, I don't think I bake something every week, but then there's sometimes where it's like a birthday or we're going out and want to bring something. Um, and I might make something a bit more frequently. Um, but yeah, my, my girls know that, you know, desserts like that are treats. And so like, maybe we'll have something after a nap, you know, maybe after dinner, if they've been really, you know, good that day. Um, but yeah, it's not like a constant, which you would, you would think like, oh, you're like, you went to a school to be a pastry chef. Like, wouldn't you have desserts all the time? Um, but I try to kind of control a little bit of how much um, treats we have. Um, but one thing I do when, actually, as I'm thinking, um, actually, especially in the past couple of months, I have been planning every week I make a baked oatmeal, um, which essentially is just like, it's almost like a healthier oatmeal cookie cake kind of a thing. Um, and I've been making that once a week for our girls to have for breakfast. Um, just so it's like really easy. They wake up so hungry. Um, so it's like, (laughs) it's, they really are really good and you can change it up a bunch of times. Like I've made a pumpkin one this past fall. Um, we made one with some apples the other day. Like it's so flexible because it's just adding oats and a few eggs. And I think there's actually, I might've done a video, um, like a while back, actually, not one of my best videos, but, um, yeah. So that is something that that has become part of our weekly meal plan is okay. we got to make our baked oatmeal. Um, would you mind sharing the ingredients for that and just how to make it? Because I know I want to do that. Yeah, sure. Um, it is, let's see, four cups of oats. Um, I like to use sometimes a mixture of rolled oats and steel cut oats. Steel cut oats, if you don't know, are just, a, they're kind of a, they're cut in a different way. So they have a more like chewy texture to them when they're cooked, which I really like that. Um, and then let's see, I add six eggs, about a cup of sugar, but that's totally up to you. I feel like whenever you see sugar in a recipe, it's variable. It's like, if you like things sweet, go for it, put the whole amount. If you like things like not so sweet, then maybe put three quarters of a cup. Or, 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 or like maybe add applesauce or something like that. Um, 
And then let's see, um, about a cup and a half of milk. And I've been using almond milk just because we have it. And um, but again, you can it's really flexible. Like you really can add whatever you want. Um, a teaspoon of baking powder. I add about two teaspoons of cinnamon, um, a pinch of salt, and then whatever you want for mix-ins. You can add berries. You can add, as I said before, pumpkin, um, mashed up bananas, like two to three mashed bananas are really good. Um, I've actually topped mine with pecans too and made it kind of like a banana bread. Oh, that nice. was really good. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I've added raisins. Um, you could add like jam if you wanted to, if you didn't want to have, if you didn't have berries or something like that in the freezer, which I feel like such a staple to have frozen things right now, frozen fruit, frozen vegetables, like they last forever and they're so good to add to things, especially if you're, if you're baking. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's it. So I will put that into a like brownie pan, um, with some kind of nonstick spray and then bake it for about 35 to 45 minutes, depending on your oven. I have an electric oven. And so it's always like hit or miss if it's going to actually cook the way I want it to. Um, and at what and yeah. is it? It's at 350. 350. Just kind of like, yeah, just like a cake. And I just will use a little toothpick or something in the middle. And if it's set, then it's great. And we will eat it. I have one daughter that eats it cold with butter. The other daughter likes it warm with butter. So it just like depends. Mm. Um, this is making me how to serve it. <laughs> and I just had dinner, but I'm also feeling six weeks pregnant. So I guess. Oh my gosh. I, yes, that's true. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> I like how you said uh, that sugar is a variable because that's exactly how I always view the sugar ingredient too, because at least in American recipes, I don't know if you've noticed this too. I'm sure you have that. They just call for so much sugar compared to in Europe. I have some relatives that live in Germany. And when you go to Europe and you order dessert, at least in Germany, I mean, I don't know if this is in every single European country, but Mm -hmm. it's just not as sweet. You know, like if you get an apple pie, it's not going to be that icky, sweet apple pie taste that you get in the US. It's more of just app like cooked apples or baked apples. apples and then the sugar is more of an enhancement just kind of to make it a little extra and same mm-hmm. with like whipped cream too that in America that's the only place that I've ever tried it where the whipping cream is just so sweet the kind that you buy in a can and then right. again when you go to Europe they just sprinkle sugar in the whipped cream to just kind of enhance it and not make it so bland. And then that's how they eat it. Definitely what we were taught when I was in culinary school. A lot of my professors um, were German, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, my father-in-law actually is, too. So it's it's fun to kind of remember things. And I'm like, oh, you like that, too? Like, I learned how to make that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I've seen so many recipes, especially, like, in very classic cookbooks. Like, I have, like, a Betty Crocker and, like, a Joy of Cooking, like, kind of those staple cookbooks that you always have around right and just like a plain old pumpkin bread recipe had like three cups of sugar and I was like oh my gosh that is so much sugar especially since you're only using like a cup of butter and like maybe two cups of flour like the the ratios of that is just a lot so I think it's definitely I think we're allowed to be like okay I'm going to change it up a little bit and 
it's not going to ruin the recipe. I think that's the right. thing is like a lot of people are like, right. oh, I have to follow it exactly. Right. And there are, it's some, not like reducing the flour or something, right. which actually will re- ruin the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I feel like there are some recipes where you really should pay attention to the amounts. Um, like if you're making like a sponge cake like that, I'm sure it, there's like a whole that's reaction um, right. that goes on. But yeah, making a pumpkin bread or making muffins or pancakes, like things like that, that are batters and things like that like they they don't need to be that sweet and you can really be in charge of that because it's your kitchen you're you know you're you're the chef yeah and especially for people who have a sweet tooth like myself I have a big sweet tooth that I'm constantly trying to tame and then when I'm pregnant it's even worse so besides denying myself the sweet treats what I do is I'll make them and then I will heavily reduce the sugar so it doesn't make me feel as guilty of making it. Like a few weeks ago, I made an apple cobbler and I put honey in instead and I reduced the sugar so much just to make the honey more of an enhancement. So, and then I even ate it for breakfast because I'm thinking, I was like, it's just like having toast with apples, you know, but I, in my head, I'm thinking, yeah. wow, this is a dessert for breakfast. This is amazing, you know? <laughs> so decadent, right? right? Exactly. That's so funny. Yeah. So, would you mind sharing that uh, that other recipe? I know we're doing, I guess, a lot of dessert recipes, but I also want to get into your a few of your other like meal type recipes. So maybe you could just quickly talk about that cake mix donut recipe, and then uh, yeah. m- maybe I don't know two or three of your favorite go to main meal recipes. Okay, um, so for the cake mix donuts. Um, I chose to make them apple cider donuts, but you don't have to do that. You can make them whatever flavor you want, especially depending on what cake mix you have. Um, so for that particular one, I used one plain vanilla cake mix. Um, I used about two cups of applesauce. Um, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I used one cup of applesauce, which I was using my kids' squeezy pouches because that's all we had. Um, so that was two squeezy I pouches. That. I thought, oh, um, I have those. <laughs> I was like, I don't buy them in a jar anymore because like no one eats it like that. So it's just the pouches. Um, A quarter cup of melted butter, one egg, and then about a quarter cup or more of milk. Uh, Again, you could use water, you could use apple juice, you could use whatever you wanted. And then about a teaspoon of cinnamon. And the big thing with this is using a donut pan and also... I mentioned in my video is when you're, I only have a six hole donut pan. So I had to make like three batches in order to get all, to use all the batter. Um, and the biggest thing I've learned with doing that is you have to kind of like get all the little bits that kind of baked off and then respray it with Pam or whatever spray you're using. Um, otherwise they will stick. And that was a really tricky thing mm-hmm. to learn. <laughs> um, so you just kind of just mix those together, really. It's not anything crazy. You're not, you know, that's what's amazing about the cake mix is that you're just like, it's already done for you. And you just follow the cooking instructions for the cake mix? Um, No, not quite. So it's about, it's the same degree oven, so 350. And then I would bake them for about eight to 10 minutes. You want them to spring back when you touch them. That will make, that will be like the tell uh, that they're finished. Um, and then I took them off and put them um, out of the pan and put them on a drying rack with a sheet pan underneath. And I brushed them with melted butter. 
And then after that, I dipped them in cinnamon sugar, which was about a cup of sugar, I think, and about a tablespoon or maybe two tablespoons. I can't remember exactly of cinnamon and just mix that together. And you could do it that way or you could leave them plain. You could add like a glaze or like a frosting if you wanted to. They're really customizable. And like same thing before, like you can make chocolate donuts with a chocolate cake mix. You could make lemon donuts with a lemon cake mix. Um, I actually did one that were just vanilla. And I think I made like a, one of those, like kind of like a glaze um, coating and it was so good. Um, they're just so versatile and like, I don't know, I love donuts and I feel like whenever I go to buy a donut, especially like at a regular like grocery store or chain, you get that like coating on your mouth that feels really oily and you're just like, yeah. oh, this is not quite, you know, homemade. <laughs> right. um, and I mean, a cake mix isn't homemade either, but I feel like it's a little bit closer um, and it's really fun to do with your kids. Um, my daughters loved help helping to like ice them and everything. Um, and they, yeah, they were definitely hard to keep in our house. They were just, everyone was like, Ooh, I want a donut. Ooh, they're good. <laughs> um, I, I took notes as we were talking. So I'll make sure to include for everyone listening. I'll include these recipes that you're talking about in the show notes. Okay. So if anyone's scrambling to write them all down, um, just, you know, you can write them down, but you can also just click the show notes might make yeah. it a little easier for you. <laughs> yeah. And you can always check my Instagram. There's tons of, there's info there too. Um, but yeah, it's a good one. And then I'm trying to think of go-to meals. Do you mean like for the week or just like my yeah. own? Yeah. I guess yeah. the family favorites that are easy and quick and maybe healthy. So one thing I love to make is chicken and dumplings. This is actually a recipe from Martha Stewart. Um, she calls for like using, you know, raw chicken and everything. But what I love to do is, so like I shop at Costco a lot. We have a membership. We get, we get everything there. Um, so they have great rotisserie chickens. And what I'll do is like as soon as we get home is like when it's still kind of warm, I'll take it all off the bone. And then... Um, to make the chicken and dumplings, you're basically making like a stew. Um, but instead of it being like brown stew, you're just doing a really quick um, white sauce, which is melted butter. And then you put about like two tablespoons of flour and then just kind of whisk it together until it forms like a paste. Um, and then slowly through that, you're adding chicken stock or I've added water to kind of slowly break it up and it will become like this creamy sauce. Um, and then from that point, I'll add the chicken. Sometimes I've done like a really big cheat and I'll use frozen carrots and peas that come in the little pre-made bags and I'll throw that in. Um, and then I can't, let me see if I can find the, the recipe for the dumplings. Um, but off the top of my head, what I remember is basically it's like, a cup of flour or so, salt and pepper. You can add herbs if you wanted to, like fresh parsley. And then um, you kind of cut some butter into it and then add some um, some milk or cream to kind of make this wet dumpling. And then um, once the stew has started to boil, you basically just plop little like tablespoons of this dumpling mixture on top. Then you cover it put it to a simmer. And then once the, um, I think it takes about 20 minutes, but you can just check to see if they're cooked through and it just makes it such a, like a thick 
cozy stew um, and the dumplings are really good and they're really filling. Um, and that's been kind of like our go-to for this kind of season. Um, another one is beef stroganoff. It's my husband's absolute favorite. I make it for him and for his birthday every year. Um, that is with cubed meat. So like stew meat that you would get um, about, I would say an inch um, big like a bite size. Sometimes when you get them in the package that are already cut, they're still too big. Um, so you might have to cut them in half. And then to make that, let me think, this is another one that I kind of just like do it. And I haven't, I haven't written it down. Um, so for our family, I would probably use about a pound and a half, maybe two pounds of the stew meat. And then I would um, salt and pepper that and brown it in like a Dutch oven first. And once that's all browned, I take it out and then I would um, add about a pound of cremini mushrooms. You could use white mushrooms too. Um, you can do sliced or diced sometimes. It just depends on your preference and also how big they are. Sometimes if you get those really big ones, it's better to cut them small. Um, and then let's see, cook those until they're browned. Um, and then I add all of this to my crock pot. I, because it's such like a, you want the stewie to be really tender and kind of falling off the bone, uh, or not the bone, the <laughs> falling apart. Um, I will, you know, do all that searing and pre-cooking on my stove and then throw it all together with some beef stock and actually, um, a container of condensed mushroom soup. I found a really good one that's better ingredients at Trader Joe's instead of like the Campbell's kind of one that you can find. Um, and it just makes it really creamy. Um, you can also add some wine if you wanted to and just let that cook and really slow until the meat falls apart. And then I serve it over egg noodles. Um, and it's really rich and wonderful, and it definitely will become. Um, I usually, by making that portion, it's something that we can eat twice. Um, and yeah, that's a really good one um, for this kind of time of year. I like that that's in the crock pot too. I think that that's really popular with moms and dads that whenever my husband makes a meal, it's definitely the crock pot route. And I need to be better at, at making <laughs> crock pot meals, I feel like. Now, I, I was curious, is there any alternative to browning in a Dutch oven if you don't have one? Or I'm just not really cooking literate, so I don't really know how you would do that or what a Dutch oven is. Oh, a Dutch oven just means like a heavy bottom like pot. So like a oh, Le Creuset, okay. um, a Le I, you could even use just like if you have a big cast iron pan, like something that's going to be heavy duty. It's not going to be... Um, warping your pan because you want it to be at a medium high heat to get the um the sear on the meat um and what that does it's again it's not like you have to do it but it really seals in the flavor um because essentially when you're when you're especially when you're slow cooking a meat it can kind of get dry if you've done it you know for too long or there's not enough liquid things like that so we're kind of just sealing in the flavor by browning it um, and it also just will enhance the whole dish as well. Um, but that's again, totally up to you. Depends. I used to have a crock pot that I could brown in it and oh, then wow. just like turn it on 
it seemed like a really great crock pot, but after like a year of using it, it died. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to like a regular, really like, you know, standard crock pot and it's been much better. Um, Which I've actually seen some people do like on Pinterest where if you turn it on high um, and leave the lid off, you can kind of do the same thing, but it's not quite as strong. Um, What about Instapot? I've heard some good things about that. Is that... I have two. I do not have one. Um, but like my mom has one and she loves that she can make a sweet potato in like eight minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's like, it, there's definitely convenience to it. I like to minimize the amount of kitchen tools I have. Like I want to make sure that my kitchen is really serving me and not the other way around. Mm. Um, so I know that I'll use a crock pot way more. I don't really want to have a crock pot and an Instapot. So I might wait and see if it's worth switching at one point. Um, but I've heard great things. I've heard people say that it really helps, you know, with having dinner done quickly. Um, so I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that one. But um, yeah, it's crockpots are so helpful. I wish I used it more when I was in, like a first time mom. Because learning how to cook again after you just had a baby, I feel like is, is a difficult task. Um, Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we ate so much chili. It was just like, I know I can make this and it'll last all week. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Now we're trying to be a little bit more creative. Um, and then I think I can't think of another one. I mean, I could tell you how I make chili if that helps. Cause I feel like that is something I do make probably once or twice a month. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So as I said before, I'll probably use, about two pounds of ground beef just for our family size and just so that we have a little bit extra. Um, And I will brown that in the pan. And at that point too, like that's when I season it. When I, when it's just the ground beef, Um, like I'll put about a teaspoon, I'd say of like turmeric. I'll put some garlic powder. Um, I like to use, we don't do like big spice in our house, but I will use um, smoked paprika and a little bit of chipotle powder, which is a smoked chili powder. And those I've noticed, they really deliver in flavor, but they're not super spicy. Like my kids don't notice it. Um, and it's, it definitely helps give it that kind of like chili vibe. Um, and then I'll add two cans of rinsed, drained black beans. I use Goya just because they, I feel like they're the only ones I've found that don't have salt in them. Um, and then I'll add a big jar, a big can of, um, diced tomatoes again, unsalted. I know sometimes they salt things and I just feel like it's unnecessary. Um, and I'll let that cook by itself for a while just so it gets, you know, the meat is all soft and the vegetables start to kind of break down a little bit. And then right before I'm about to serve it, maybe like 10, 15 minutes before, I'll add probably a cup of corn. Um, and then sometimes I'll be really sneaky and like we, our grocery store sells frozen diced butternut squash. Sometimes I'll throw some of that in and no one knows. They think it's like a carrot. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's a carrot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, and sometimes I'll add some frozen spinach when it's all like really broken up so that it's like, you can barely tell that it's spinach. 
um, just to kind of add some vegetables that are not really noticeable. Um, and then we will serve that over either white rice or sometimes I'll make um, yellow rice. And yeah, you can also use that too. Um, if you eliminated some of the, the liquid from the tomatoes, you can make it more of like a drier chili and add it to like a burrito. Um, so definitely you Ooh, can like like, um, be more flexible with it. I've done a few variations. Like I, a few weeks ago, I just did, um, I, I diced an onion and then I did the same thing, ground beef and the beans. And then I added corn and that was it. I didn't add tomatoes and it was much drier. And I, that was what we put in our um, burritos. So it's like, for a while I was making burritos like, like Chipotle. I was like layering each ingredient and like everything was cold. And I'm like, why, why is that? Like, there must be a better way to do this. And then I started, I was like, oh, I'm just going to mix it all together before I serve it. And then we're just going to like scoop it and put it in our burrito. And like, that makes it so much better. Um, that's such a good idea. Do you have any other cool tips for how to use chili in a unique way? I've never thought of using it for a burrito. I mean, I just love that. Yeah. So I've done, um, I've put it over pasta. I've mixed it into macaroni and cheese. Um, you can sprinkle it on some tortilla chips and make really quick nachos. Mm. Um, I feel like those kinds of things, like you can just kind of do whatever with it. It's like meat, cheese, beans, like it's right. the three staples, um, in most cuisines really. So yeah, it, there's a lot of things you can do with chili. Um, yeah, tortillas are a big thing in our house. Um, and yeah, rice, any kind of rice. Um, you could probably even like mix it with some like lentils if you wanted to. Um, or put it on like a salad if you, if it wasn't like piping hot and make like a taco salad. Um, yeah. I love this idea of repurposing the same meal and using the ingredients like that. It's that's such a great idea. Well, I'm glad you like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today and sharing your culinary knowledge and everything. I really enjoyed our conversation and ending on a personal note. One question that we always ask every guest who's on our show is one is a time that you realize it's okay to not be perfect and okay to be good instead. Absolutely. I feel like that comes with motherhood and especially of multiple children. You realize that, you know, the standards you had when you had one child are very different from the standards you have when you have two um, or three or whatever the number is. Um, But yeah, definitely have learned that. I mean, and still learning it. I am a perfectionist at heart. I love things to be just so, um, so definitely still kind of working through that journey of figuring things out and trial and error, really, you know, um, seeing, seeing how to make those little adjustments. But yeah, this was, this was so fun. I loved our chat. And um, thank you so much, Emily. Of course. Yeah, thank you so much. 